Welcome to the Language for Leading podcast with the founder and CEO of the Business of Leading Incorporated, Julian Sturton. Since the early 1990s, Julian has equipped leaders from across the globe with an operating system and real-world set of tools that have improved relationships on all levels, and the work has meant real success in business and life for so many. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich, and today we welcome another thought leader. Her name is Cynthia Loosely, and she served in a variety of roles in the tech industry, from database design, product development, communications, to marketing and she's worked with dozens of startups and publicly held companies. Presently, Cynthia is leading product management for a global cloud communications company, one that makes it easy to call, message, and meet with employees, customers, and everyone in between. Our guest Cynthia is a classically trained musician, previously a concert pianist, before embarking into the world of tech, where she's helping people connect every day. The topic she chose to discuss with Julian is one that all of us have a stake in, and that's finding the peace within. Julian? We've all got uh, a way in which we uh, view what's going on around the world. I'm proposing and suggesting that, as is the case with Cynthia, her headline, if it was to be called a headline, that uh, rises to the top of Cynthia's interests is likely to have more than her own personal representation of such an interest. And in this case, it's peace starts within. So we're going to ask people to consider this discussion now as one of many wake-up calls. What is the impact of peace starts within? We're provoking a response with all of these dialogues, aren't we? And the world has already got as 8 billion versions of different people's agendas. So as we proceed with these podcasts, we want to create a very, very broad spectrum so that we could create not just a following, but a certain level of interest. Right, Jordan? It's an eavesdropping opportunity for people to check in with uh, three independent minds and make their own mind up, perhaps. But Cynthia, don't let us overspeak here and don't let us hog the microphone. Tell us a little bit about your headline, Peace Starts Within. Where does it come from? Why that headline? Well, for me, Peace Starts Within really originated some pain that I've experienced in my life. My process for understanding where that pain was actually coming from, my continued suffering around that pain. And when I took this journey within to understand, it led me to this understanding about the love that I have for myself is directly related to my ability to love others (laughs) and to create in the world. So that's really the bottom line for me. It's how can we even have an opinion about world peace (laughs) or Um, having a lot of ideas and things for other people, unless it's filtered through a sense of peace and understanding and clarity, you know, within yourself. I'm responsible for me. What I'm listening to is whether you you consider that the, the statement peace within resonates with other people, correct? Perhaps, you know, we suffer as humans. We we sometimes become addicted to suffering because it's just become so normalized. 
Yes. And nobody else can really hurt you as much as you actually are probably hurting yourself because there's this idea of being kind of a judge. You know, you judge yourself or, you know, you can continue to feel like you're a victim. And then if you have that, you know, that mentality or that that feeling in yourself, then you're going to be receiving information in, you know, through that lens. <laughs> so you can perpetuate suffering with others if you continue to suffer. I guess it's sort of like, a you know, a vicious cycle. I would like to jump in here and suggest that for anyone listening who has not had peace taken away or shattered that peace within, you don't really understand what it means not to have it when you don't have something that is so basic and so primal. And the other thing is, age-old example, put your oxygen mask on first, and then you can start to help others. Exactly. And I like what you're saying, because you and I brought this uh, famous quote up from Eleanor Roosevelt, and you mentioned it just now. And she said it in her particular words, what uh, nobody can hurt you without your permission. And I think uh, it, it was taken literally, which I think is a good thing, because quotes aren't always... Mm. taken literally because everybody's got their own interpretations don't they yeah yeah i think that you know that kind of relates to people take things personally yes and you know when people talk i mean everybody's walking around in their own world and what people say what people say to you perhaps just a reflection of what's going on in their world it's really not about you you know but if you take it personally then it's touching on something that's within you. You know, it's, just, it's touching on some type of sensitivity or pain that you might have. Then there, there can become a, you know, perpetuation of that, that sense of either, you know, my pain or, you know, people can take things personally and maybe want to get revenge, <laughs> you know. And so that's just increasing suffering from there. Where's why we take things like fears personally, because that's how we start to feel bad about ourselves before we even feel bad about other people. So our internal feelings are quite often a reflection of, of how other people are feeling. And I think that's got mm -hmm. a lot to do with the word relationship. It's how we are related to one another. I'd like to also ask you, Cynthia, if you could expound on what you said about creativity and how that was stifled before you regained that sense of inner peace, because you're a very active, uh, successful, marketing, creative person. Talk a little bit about how it affected that creative streak. Well, the, the connections that I make, and I've adopted this, um, I read a book recently called The Four Agreements. I don't know if you ever heard of that. It's by Don Miguel Ruiz. The first agreement is to be impeccable with your word. And your word is not just like the spoken sound. It's the, the place, it's the force, the life force that enables you to create. The second agreement is not to take anything personally. Third one is do not make assumptions. And the fourth one is always do your best, you know, no more, no less. So I think if, if, you, if you focus on the impeccability of your word, you have clarity around what your intentions are. And all of the other agreements help you to stay centered in, it's either fear or love. I'm glad, you know, Julian talked about, 
you know, that, that there's this fear. Sometimes if you have fear, then what you say or that place you're coming from, your creative force, um, can be muddled, you know, with, with a sense of fear. It's either fear or love. So for me to create, I want that to be coming from a place of love and not fear. Mm. I was thinking about what Cynthia was pointing out, which was the difference between fear and love. And why as youngsters, we don't have fear necessarily unless we've got some sort of interference that's interfering with the natural way we're brought up. Because I think we're, we're brought up as a result of love or as a form of expression. Remember, people make love and as a result of that process, another human being is born. And I was taking this even further, thinking about how when we don't have any interference from the moment we're born, we're then becoming uh, excited about and stimulated by the idea of learning. And I've pointed this out a lot of the time. I was fearless as a youngster until I had all of the external craziness going on around me. And I think we all as families have our own version of craziness and concerns going on around us. So we, before we've really uh, taken literally our ability to represent who we are as a form of love, they often hear about God is love. So they say that if love is something that doesn't have any sort of human prejudice, then what you're saying, Cynthia, makes a lot of sense. Then love and peace starts within. And that's the moment that we're born. We're born on behalf of that which represented what was going on within my father and my mother. I notice that when I'm being with my two children. So I'm expressing the, the pure, untainted example of love so that when I'm interacting with my two children, I'm experiencing either love or there's external interference that I've picked up from other particular people who have right. no direct connection to who Julian is being. Exactly. So he comes <laughs> back again to the peace starts within. Because peace yeah, and becoming love. Becoming aware. I think it's also just becoming aware. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I like what you said about, you know, from the moment you're born. You know, as children, we don't really, you know, we're just taking in everything. And people tell you things. Your parents, maybe your siblings, your relatives your friends, you know, all through life, people are, are telling you things or, you know, expressing their beliefs. And then along the way, you're, you're creating a lot of, you know, you're coming to some agreements about what you accept or what you don't. Ruiz talks about it as being becoming domesticated. You know, we've become domesticated and we're not even aware of all these agreements that have built up over time. So Cynthia, I have a follow-up question on, on your path. Uh, was there a moment a denouement or a, an epiphany that happened that turned things around for you? Because oftentimes, in order to bounce back, you have to reach kind of low. What You don't have to get into specifics, but was there that moment? And, and then how did things take a turn from there? Yeah, I don't mind telling you. 
this is not the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody. But, you know, everybody, th- th- I have no judgment about, you know, what one, one person's pain, it can do, it's just as bad as somebody else's. You know, it may not be severe trauma. But if you've invested a lot in maybe perhaps a relationship or just anything in your life, and it doesn't work out the way you expected or the way you wanted, and, it, and it's really, really painful. I start, I actually, I started asking myself the question, you know, what is it really at the root of this pain that I continue to have and, and go over and over and over in my mind? Because I felt like, you know, I really should be over this because, you know, I, I, there's the signs were all there that this is just not working out. But yet, for some reason, I just did not see through that veil. And it came to a point where I was just asking myself over and over, why are you sad? Why are you, you know, and I really just had to become almost like a little child, you know, just like somebody keeps asking you as a little child, you know, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was doing that with myself. And the bottom line was, I just want to be loved. (laughs) I want to be accepted. I want to be seen. That was really kind of the bottom line. And this comes all the way back around to I know I am loved, but, you know, it's all about, you got to love yourself. (laughs) Love is all around. You just have to accept it. You have to accept yourself and you have to, well, I mean, I'm just, I want to just answer your question about that low point. That low point is when I admitted to myself, that's really, was at the crux of it. So then I started looking at, well, what's coming between me and loving myself? Well, it comes back to what you and I have discussed many times, Cynthia, which is the ability to represent ourselves in relationships by ways of feelings, remember? Mm -hmm. And our senses are the physiological, neurological system whereby we can understand and make sense of our feelings. You remember one of the big ones, which is a sense of belonging. We all spend our lives, whether it's in a job or whether it's in a marriage or whether it's in a position in society or whatever happens to uh, represent that presence that we occupy our time with. And it all does come back to this sense of blowing. And when that's interfered with, when something that is the interference that represents something whereby such a external conversation interferes with the internal dialogue, which brings it back to the the peace within, doesn't it? When you're at peace with yourself, when Cynthia's at peace with herself, uh, she's not allowing other external conversations to interfere. Does that make sense? Yes. We create the world we live in. And, you know, the definition of peace is not the absence of violence (laughs) necessarily because, you know, the world is is a pretty kind of violent place. (laughs) But you can have peace even with all of this going on around you because we are love. You know, we, we are love. I'm trying to find the words to actually express this. It's it. You know, when you have peace within all these things can be going on around you and you still are in a peaceful place. Yes, because if you're being true to who you are, 
And let's suppose for the ultimate representation of Cynthia Loosley, it would be looking backwards from the future. If we fast forwarded Cynthia's clock and you are now, let's say, you are 110 years old, I would suggest that peace within is still an important propagation. But we allow in the process of living to often misrepresent ourselves, don't we? Especially when we're in conflict, when we're not able to represent ourselves, when we allow external other people's dialogues to interfere yeah. with us. It's going on in politics all over the world right now, isn't it? Right. I'm right. sure the people in Sudan that are being bombed in Khartoum who haven't got water or anything else, they're wrestling with great difficulty as to how they can get their arms around peace within when you haven't got water. Mm. Would you say, Cynthia, that another way to describe what you're talking about, something that I think is a great, great gift we can all give ourselves, is homeostasis or a balance? Peace within doesn't mean, oh, kumbaya, <laughs> We're, everything's perfect. It means you're able to stabilize yourself to handle things that come up. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what do you think of that proposition? That's just like a way, I think, to express it. it it's kind of, you know, being, being centered, coming back to, well, to enjoy life. I don't think that, you know, the, that the fear that people had so much is about the fear of death. It's about the fear of living, to re truly be yourself and to express yourself in the world. And that's when people, you know, you, you're, you're at your most happiest when you can be doing that. I think it's a control factor, isn't it, Cynthia? When we've got all kind of extraneous situations going on around the world, we're discovering now that people are feeling as if they're out of control because of all of the, the terrible things that are happening. So it's a bit of a sort of, it starts within. It's a wrestling match with your own internal dialogue as to how people can respond to all mm -hmm. of the bad news. And it's affecting everything. I asked my plumber this morning who came by and he asked me what I did for a living. I, showed, I said I show people around the world how to actually take responsibility for what is happening around the world. And this is my plumber. <laughs> We tend to label people with a sort of a convenience that doesn't really speak to the heart and soul. If I sat down with my plumber for about a couple of hours and I was speaking to my plumber's heart and soul, he probably wouldn't just be discussing the sort of the leak in the pipe in my garage. <laughs> I love uh, that. I'm just imagining that, Julian, talking to your plumber. Oh, he can talk to anybody. That's right. Julian's forte, as you know. Here's another way to look at it, and, and this is my interpretation. Having that sense of homeostasis and balance means I'm living in this moment right now, and I'm not exactly. regretting yesterday, and I'm not fearing tomorrow. And that's the Zen Buddhist approach. This is so much why people want to be in India and learning this. You don't have to go there to do it. The sense that... I'm right here with you guys right now. I know we're taping this, so you'll be hearing it later, folks. But we are in this moment, and we have nothing getting in the way. Oh, absolutely. That's really all there is. And when you talked about homeostasis, it is a place where 
And Julian talks about the difference between like reaction and response. You want to be in that state where you are, you have the ability to respond. It's when you react, you know, if you react, most of the time it's through this filter, you know, through your filters of domestication or pain or whatever. Um, but, but, if, but if you come back to, you know, you, you might feel emotion. Uh, a lot of times you have like, you know, somebody says something to you, it provokes some kind of, you know, emotion or some kind of energy goes through you and it might not even be pleasant, but you have to, you know, come back to that place where, you know, it's not about me, mm. <laughs> whatever they're saying, it might be touching something in me, but you can be aware of it. And then just remember, you know, it's not about you. Come back to the place from your creativity, from your ability to share love and be loved. It's just the place, it's your place of love that you work from. Well, it comes back to the peace within, doesn't it? And the word control, as opposed to just spending the rest of your life reacting to conditions for which you don't have control. And I think it, it's, it's possibly reasonable enough for us to understand that there's a big, big, big difference between simply responding and having a response if control has been out of control. So we react based upon what has happened. And you haven't got control if things are just happening rather than, as you just pointed out, Jordan, being in the moment. And we call that moment now. And yet we live life based upon having no control over time. I don't know quite why someone came up with the word time, but it's a sort of a, a passageway through which we spend our lives living from one moment to the next. And I'm 71 now, and I still remember experiences that I had when I was two years old, almost as if they were yesterday. And I think that's the same for all of us. And I wrestle with trying to actually not allow old memories to keep rearing their ugly heads mm. and say, we've got memories to deal with. So we have to keep separating how we actually reacted as we were young people. Or you gave a good example, Cynthia, about how you reacted to the experiences of fear. Also, I think there's a great deal of gratitude in you, Cynthia, and in my life, there's great gratitude to know what it's like to not have peace inside or balance, call it what you will. And when it's here, you don't want to take it for granted. <laughs> you want to you know, keep watering those seeds and making sure that the garden of inner peace is fertile. When you have peace within... All the, the seeds of love coming at you, you know, that are out there, your, your, your mind and your and yourself, you're, you're fertile, you know, to receive that. If you don't, then you're going to be susceptible to, well, Ruiz calls it black magic, to be impeccable with your word. I love that Julian likes to look at, you know, what the meaning of words are, you know, just the word impeccable. The, 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 the gist of the word is about, you know, without sin. But sin is anything that's against yourself. Well, it's a disagreement, isn't it? It comes back to this word agreement, isn't it? 
Well, it's it's more about, you know, whatever you say, you know, you don't want to say something that could could come, you know, against yourself. If you're reacting in a way that's painful to someone, it would make them not like you or want to take revenge in some way. Then actually you you or you're not being impeccable because it means that, you know, they're not going to like you. So it's really against yourself. Well, that's why I mentioned stand and constitution. I know those are important key elements of the language for leading, and Julian and I have done whole sessions on that on the podcast series. This is home-based. This is where I know it's me. I'm comfortable. I'm honest. Just bringing it around for Mr. Sturton to uh, knock one out of the park here on that subject. Well, let's suppose, Cynthia, I'm looking around you in your room. Let's suppose you brought as a guest to your house a very, very, very carefully trained furniture maker whose distastefulness was being in someone's house and that his experience was uh, that he couldn't be around ugly furniture. So let's suppose you invited him into your house, right, and you sat him down on a piece of furniture of which he had suggested that He didn't agree. He wasn't in agreement because his life is driven by um, impeccable manufacturing and the quality of furniture he produced. So now you're inviting him into your house, right? So his experience is something that misrepresents him and what he stands for. And now you've got to deal with, in fact, this word impeccable. And that's why I think the word impeccable, together with the word agreement or what's agreeable, as Jordan was saying, has uh, has the uh, entrance to the word constitution. Now, without getting too astray with what you're mentioning, I think um, the experience of a peace within may have something to do with how we, as someone who has peace within ourselves, in fact, is a, is in agreement with the experiences that we're going through in life, whether it be an experience that I had when I was experiencing the birth of my two children. To me, before my children were born, that was absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. People can't quite understand that. Until after I had children, I asked my brother, when it was the last time he and I spoke to each other, because he and I both had terrifying, frightening experiences from our past. So I asked him, said, why didn't you have children? He said, I was terrified. So every time people bring up children to my brother, he now recollects his past experiences. So fear has got a lot to do with the past showing up again and not being in control. What's delightful about having Cynthia here is that you have admitted, as many people don't want to admit, that you are human and you had these strifes internal, as we all do to different degrees, but you came to a decision. You had had to make a decision. It's a conscious decision to, to move away from that. It takes a lot of courage because there's so many potential pitfalls along the way. I mean, when Julian talks about agreements, there's all these agreements that you've been building up in your in, in your in yourself through your life. 
and they all have a voice, all these little agreements. And sometimes even those voices are in conflict with each other. So if you say, you know, I'm of two minds. (laughs) Well, it's got these two agreements that are not in conflict and you're just all muddled. Right. But, you know, as we says, though, with the four agreements, I I call it, it's like being a, um, a warrior for peace. Constant looking at what is going on. What is, you know, am I working from a base of fear or love? Well, you mentioned something very interesting a few minutes ago, which is the fear of living. I think people who live a life that doesn't represent themselves, then they're in a very contradiction kind of experience. And I've studied examples because I had the example in my life, suicide. I think people eventually become afraid to continue with the experience they're having when they become overwhelmed Mm. by disagreeable conditions. My mother was was overwhelmed by experiences that weren't based upon her agreements with what was going on around her. Mm -hmm. So she took her own life. Yeah, that's really extreme, Joanne. Fear can become so powerful. And, and, you know, and that just shows how deeply you you can, you know, this can reside within yourself. You know, you, you can become afraid of not being, you're afraid of not being accepted, right. not being understood, not being loved. And all of this leads to, I'll use the term self-medicate, whether it's through artificial substances or shopping or sex or power or money or lack of time and being a type AAA, all of this leads to that, which only compounds the issue. Yeah. yeah, if we can't be with ourselves, it's why people take drugs and get addicted to substance that doesn't belong in their bodies, whether it's alcohol or whether it's chemicals, which may right. allow us to have another continuation of this discussion, because I think we've opened a lot of very interesting uh, parts of what I think is a great uh, continuing episode. I just want to say you look absolutely stunning. You have a, a a very natural look of peace right now. You just look like you're you're in the the moment, and I think that's such a blessing. So congratulations. It's easy being with you two. Oh, did you hear that? Thank you. How long have we known each other since? I think it was seventeen years, isn't it? About that long. It could be even longer. I think our dialogues represent who we both are in this world, which is why we're still having these conversations. Exactly. I see myself in you, Joanne. Thank you. Yes, and vice versa. The conversation continues on the Language for Leading podcast with Julian Sturt, available on all podcast platforms. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review the show, and tell your friends and colleagues about it. The Language for Leading podcast impactful conversation about fundamental principles that will grow your business and change your life for the better.